Welcome back to episode two of Red Wine and CBD. What a milestone, episode two. I, I always like to think about how many podcasts are out there that they go in, they do one episode, and then they just totally abandon it and never come back. So uh, so kudos to, uh, kudos to us for coming back and actually doing a second episode. Um, it took a while, but the holidays got in the way, I guess. It did. It did. Uh, so we got a special episode planned. Uh, in episode one, we talked about some of the athletes that Queen City Green has and how they use CBD to perform at the highest levels of their sport. Uh, so we have one of those athletes with us today. Uh, we're joined by James Raspoli. James is a American flat track racer currently. He has a pr- production twins champion. Uh, also raced overseas for a while. We'll have James give us a bit of a rundown uh, about that a little bit later. Uh, but I'll throw it over to Jeremy Lang and kind of let him talk about how James got to be connected with Queen City Green and how this relationship came together. Yeah, so we met James about a year ago and helping James with sponsorship and helping put together a deal for James in the AFT series. And uh, and we became friends and talked about business and James uh, being a racer, but also a former entrepreneur and having his own company in a, in a, in a kind of a neutral bar of sorts. Um, we talked about business and we, and when Jeremy and I launched this CBD company, the first person we thought about, or one of the people we thought about was introducing this stuff to was James. Cause we had talked about CBD in the past and his reaction to CBD. When I first mentioned those three letters was let's go. And uh, if you know, James at all, when James says, let's go, hold on, because it's going to be a ride. And uh, he's been a big advocate for ours, and he uses the product, and we've had him in a few events, and we we went out to Charlotte and watched him race, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but just getting to know James, we thought it would be interesting to have him on here because he, he does believe in CBD. He uses CBD, and, you know, he's a premier athlete, and he, and he takes care of his body. And, it, you know, CBD is one of those things that he uses as uh, a tool, and we thought it would just be great to have him on here and just talk about life and CBD and, and what he does. So, James, thanks for joining. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, crazy how we met and all that. And, again, thank you for all the help. Uh, yeah, I use CBD all the time. And, you know, with racing and whatnot, it helps. It's helped me in the past before we even met. I've used it when I was in Europe. That's kind of how I got onto it. And uh, it helped me through that time period, Um, just living over there and being in a different country and things of that nature. It's really stressful, let alone just being uh, uh, in a hyper competitive sport where pretty much results are the only thing that matter. And when results don't come or for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of, you know, finger pointing going on and ultimately your head's on the chopping block. So, yeah, I'm stoked to be on the show and I'm stoked to be with you guys and yeah, let's let's get it cranking. Yeah, so you talked about it a little bit there, uh, just your background in American flat track and then also racing over in Europe. So why don't you, we, we put this out there as a lifestyle podcast, right? Uh, yeah. So a lot of the listeners may not be as familiar with motorcycle racing. So why don't you just talk about a little bit of your background, some of your accomplishments. It's okay to brag, go for it. Uh, <laughs> just talk a little bit about who you are and uh, the world of motorcycle racing that you live in. Yeah, so pretty much I've raced motorcycles since I was six years old. Um, I'm now 30. I'm getting over the hill here. Um, but, yeah, I've raced, this is, I think, my 25th year consecutively. Um, I've been professional since 16. You know, this is all I've done. I've never had a real job. 
And uh, I grew up racing flat track, which is a sport that's similar to Speedway, but on production-based motorcycles. And it's around an oval. Um, you don't have a front brake. And bikes are lowered and have uh, bigger wheels. So essentially, that kind of can give you the grasp. I did that growing up. I won a lot of amateur stuff and championships in this growing up. And then the typical thing was to move into road racing, kind of like Nicky Hayden. Um, he did it and then took that and went to Europe. And that was kind of the path I've always dreamed about doing. And so we moved into road racing and more money was always in road racing <clears throat> rather than dirt track. So we went down that path. I was able to ride for the, uh, you know, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, um, and National Guard. I won two championships with them. And uh, unfortunately, the team ended up uh, shutting down. And then I was fortunate enough to my rider coach, Jason Pridmore, was a, he brought me over to Le Mans 24-hour. I'm sure everybody's heard of that with the car stuff. Uh, well, they've got a bike race that they do. And I was over there as fourth rider on the factory BMW team. Um, just kind of as like, a, I've never been out of the country. I didn't have a ride. So we just went over there and crazy enough, I met um, Keith Flint, who's uh, he's the lead singer, was the lead singer for the band, The Prodigy. Um, and he was putting together a team in Britain and a previous crew chief that I knew, you know, we had good success and we kind of came together and I ended up riding for Keith Flint, crazy enough, in the British Super Sports Series for two years. And then I raced uh, another three over there, one in Superbike. Uh, one in Superstock and then another one in Supersport ending in 2018. I came back to Dirt Track after having a 10-year hiatus um, with being broke, uh, not having any money from living over there, but uh, came back and a couple of my buddies got together and I was at the point where I was kind of going to retire and we put together a small little effort. I was able to then get enough recognition to jump on a Harley um, and then I got a podium in the first year in 2019. And then the following year, I was able to ride for a team previously I raced against when I won my championships in Supersport um, 10 years prior, uh, George Latis uh, with Latis Motors Racing. We ended up winning the 2020 championship. Um, and I continued with Harley. And now we are here. <laughs> it's an awesome so, story. My big takeaway <laughs> from that is that uh, 30 he says is over the hill so jd you and i are dead so. <laughs> yeah for i don't know man i i am definitely starting to feel well you've lived a harder you've lived a harder 50 you probably lived a harder 25 years than i've lived a harder 47 years of riding well, i'll tell you what i'm 30 years old this is my first house i just purchased this year and previously this is the first actual mattress i've purchased myself so <laughs> that tells you everything. i've slept on a lot of couches and a lot of futons man so i've been worked <laughs> so you've been a college student for the last 25 years but the last oh, 30 years basically yeah, my dad says I'm like the ultimate gypsy, a couch surfer that I've never, <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never essentially paid rent in my life. <laughs> well, that's that's a credit to you. Kudos. Yeah. No, definitely. If that's definitely a master of, uh, has they been able to save a lot of money doing that? But it's good to have my own place finally. Um, you know, I'll just thank everybody for letting me sleep on their couch <laughs> and letting me live with them for the last. <laughs> one preemptive thank you i like it yeah there you go there's a there's many people that uh have helped but i that's i guess that's kind of the culture of motorcycle racing is and especially dirt track 
Dirt Track has got this family vibe, whereas in Europe it was like that, but it's way more cutthroat. But over in here in, in America, and especially in the dirt track community, they're so used to uh, like riders in a van going from one race to another in different cities, racing or uh, states all around the country. And people are just super open for like, hey, yeah, like a lot of them have spare bedrooms and this. And, you know, now that all my buddies are, you know, 25 and above and, you know, get most of them that are close to me or close to 30, they all have houses. So, like, everywhere we go, we're like, yeah, come chill. Like, hey, come chill. Like, you know, so everyone's pretty cool about it now. But um, that's – it's definitely one perk of being, a, um, you know, the motorcycle industry. I noticed that. I think, Jeremy, I noticed that when we were there at the track in Charlotte. It was – you You went from tent to tent to tent asking people and talking to people and looking at what they were doing. And, you know, our background in NASCAR, that's kind of taboo in NASCAR – you know, yeah. they'll, they'll tell you enough, but they almost might tell you the wrong stuff. And just so it, you send you out the wrong path versus the, you know, make you more competitive. And I, I saw on the dirt, the dirt track, it was refreshing to see it truly was a family. Whereas the guys you're racing, you were asking what their, you know, strategies were and what they were doing to their bikes and stuff. And ma- mainly because you were running dog, dog, dog last in that, in those races. So not to, not well, to, yeah, not I to mean, dirt on not- you, but <laughs> When you're not competitive, uh, it's a lot easier to talk to somebody and have people help you, right? Because, you know, we were so competitive the year before. I won seven races, five in a row. I was on the podium nearly every single weekend. And then to be uncompetitive, you know, people see you as, oh, there's like something's got to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like what's wrong? Uh, Because it's not just coming together. So, you know, and the the cool thing is, is like they're all my friends. I've raced against generally all all those people since I was – seven years old growing in America in flat track and just I left for 10 years but came back and like everybody's still a family and you know we come down everybody comes down there's about 30 people that come down in uh, Florida this is before the start of the season for these two months and it's just a big family the rivalry is kind of out the door we're riding moto two times a week we're riding bicycles together everybody kind of comes together and comes into a more of a neutral phase and more now than before before i think it was definitely a lot less but now everybody's realized we all need each other instead of we don't you know what i mean like the sports are as a whole i would say all the sports you know and auto racing everything there's the ceiling's been hit and we're coming down so everybody's starting to realize like it isn't if infinite money it's not infinite supplies you know the world's changing at a rapid pace and we all like if we want our sport to stay, we have to kind of come together, even though we got to race each other when the visor's down. But we also have to, like, you know, help each other, bring more sponsors in, bring this, and keep the sport alive, more or less. Because it, it's going to be like bang and gone. Hey, James, uh, going back to some of your racing days, like for people that might be listening in that may not be as familiar with the sport, like when you talk about speed of, of racing, what, how fast are you going on these bikes or how fast have you gone on some of these bikes in the past? Yeah. So in dirt track, we regularly get above a hundred mile an hour. You know, some of the half miles are more, there's, I wouldn't say uh, as fast, but because we have so much momentum in the corners, you know, you're still going to be averaging a very high speed, you know, in the, in probably the low eighties of an average speed. Um, but regularly we're over a hundred mile an hour, uh, on the miles, especially we're probably pushing 125, 120, I would say at a high, high in the draft. 
Um, on the road race side, <laughs> crazy enough, when I raced Daytona 200, I hit 187 on a 600. Um, and it, it was in a quadruple draft behind a couple factory Yamahas, but <laughs> it was uh, it was quick enough to really feel it. So, wow, on a six hundred, yeah, that wasn't even a thousand. I remember Josh Hayes; they were wow. clocking over two hundred. Wow, that's wild. at Daytona. I mean, that's what that's your shorts. Yeah, we we yeah. in 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 NASCAR, we we always talk about like how fast they're going and how close they are competitive wise, but they've got a big metal box around them they you, got a frame. you don't really have yeah you don't yeah. have anything around you and you're like you're tagging along i mean sometimes you're getting mixed up and and some of these uh you know people getting too close as you're going around the track what's that like man have you any crazy story to tell there so i think it all depends on the rider right i think we all as racers we've got like hey like we know who's who and we know like that's why I think it's very foreign when somebody new comes in because you're like, hmm, is he like, is he, you know, is he a dick on the track or is he all right? You know, kind of deal. Like, hey, yeah. where is he at? But you know, like, there's a lot of the racers I've raced against my, uh, you know, my whole life. So like, for me, I can race bar to bar against any of them. You know, one of the races this year, me and JD Beach literally went, you know, super close. He and there's a metal uh barrier on the right side he could easily have you know put me in that barrier but you know we know that okay we're going down the straightaway like this like if he keeps working over like i'm gonna crash i could potentially take him out it just doesn't really matter so there's just an he gives there's there's not a lot of room like we're elbows touching but there's enough where he's not going to continue to push over because there's just no reason for it and so like i think in the younger classes there's a lot more like kind of uh not as much respect whereas in the bigger class everybody knows that okay that one move like isn't gonna make a break you know and so you might wait he's to already the got the, the inside that move, right james you might I mean you're not gonna make that move on lap one you might make well, that and it and last and if it's the last lap then you're kind of expecting it but nobody wants to put anybody into the wall so what i'm <clears> i guess what i'm saying is is like it's uh it's all about who you're racing against like i would say in the 450 class there's a lot more sketchiness you know people are kind of moving and not really caring for anybody's front wheels nothing doesn't really care whereas in the big class you know you've got a 340 pound motorcycle that could seriously like it's carnage and we've seen it at charlotte we've seen it at places so people tend to respect there's a lot more like peeking and looking especially on the bigger tracks and the miles making sure you're clear somebody things of that nature um because you know, they're, they're super, it's heavy bikes, super fast. But the also thing is we, our safety's going through the roof. You know, we all have airbags in our suits. Um, you know, if, if anybody has watched Charlotte and saw the three crashes there, all those guys are safe. You know, one, the worst injury we have is, you know, two broken legs. Um, and those were horrible crashes like those in a in a previous time would have been could have been life ending crashes so i would say we're pretty fortunate that all three guys are healthy um recovering uh and you know that's all has to do with the protection of nowadays changing gears for a second when you when you you talk, you talked about using cbd when you're over in europe and you you continue to use cbd kind of uh what's your regimen and also what like in your thoughts of the sport you're in now and you know flat track racing how is cbd received and when you tell people you use cbd kind of what's the reaction you get 
So I started using it in 2017 um, is when I kind of really got on it. Um, I didn't even know uh, that much about it. And I was nervous um, on testing because I didn't, you know, it's uh, I'm pretty sure if I'm correctly, it's derived from the plant. So, but I didn't quite know all the ins and outs and would I pop, would it not, you know, how does it work? You know, I didn't, I just didn't know. And which CBDs, cause some have um, some uh, traces of THC in it to help bind and some don't. So for me, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but I thought I found a pretty good product when I was over in Europe and in Europe, I was, uh, I've been there for four, three and a half years then. And I was going through kind of a tough time where the results weren't quite coming like they were previously. And, you know, rides were getting kind of, you know, I was like, I came in and I was really up. And then I was kind of seeing this tail over and going, what am I doing? Like, I'm not going up anymore. And I started getting a little bit nervous. I used to panic a lot. And I used to, you know, I didn't have a, a ton of friends. I, I made some friends, but you know, for the first six hours being there as far as like from 6am to 12, nobody's up in America really. And so you, there's nobody really to talk to. So unless you have friends over there, but it's just not the same, you know? So I started kind of getting, um, I wouldn't even call it anxiety, but I just kind of started to like, I don't know. There's a lot of noise, right? I wasn't, I was uneasy, you know, and it does, I don't work in an environment when I don't feel like I can feel energetic and outgoing and things of that nature. I like the energy, but I don't like feeling uneasy. And so I started taking it just to try to calm me down a little bit. And it helped a lot. And I remember going into, you know, the end of 2017 into 2018, where I would normally at Donington Park, I live five miles from there, would have to stay in a hotel, get ready for the race. And I remember like crazy enough sitting at home, taking a bath the night before we start racing. And like, for me, that was like unheard of doing to be relaxed. Like I would normally like, I got to be at the track. I got to just be around it. I want to know the bikes there. Everything's working. It's good. You know, just a little bit on edge. And so that was the number one thing. The way I describe it is, is I used to kind of be a box and now I'm a circle. And the way that I describe it is everything just rolls off your back. Like you, like somebody says something, it's like, okay, like you kind of just chill and, but you're still there. You know, it doesn't take anything away from can I move quick rapid am I not thinking straight no you're there but just the outside no noise just kind of starts you start just getting a little bit more focus so that was the reason I started with it and so I kind of got off it when I came back here because I didn't really know I um uh I tried a couple other products previously and um kind of fell in that I I kind of sort of got that taken care of when I came back here. Um, and then I really got onto the creams, uh, because I started having some minor injuries, you know, like I said, I was getting a little older and I've had some crashes that are starting to eke up and just pains that weren't noticeable previously. And now they kind of came back. So I started going on the cream stuff and looking into that. And that's, uh, my regimen now is I do the gummies every night. Those are my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite product of yours. Um, and then I use the sports cream. I, you know, for, I do a ton of bicycling and cycling to stay uh, skinny. So I'm not fat. And the, the, uh, the sports cream helps because I do so much cycling that my knees are a little bit 
you know, I've started to develop a little bit of tendonitis in my right knee. So that helps a ton there. And then my, I've got chronic arthritis in the shoulder from a couple of surgeries. So I use it there. And so those are my, like, that's my regimen is I take two gummies before bed, kind of just even kills me. And then I use the sports cream at night. Um, and then sometimes I'll use it during the day, but I try to do a night program because I don't like to, um, I don't know. I just don't like having, I like to be dry. So I use that at night. Cool. That's cool, man. I, um, I, I tell people all the time, I have jogged a lot in my past. I don't say run up cause I definitely don't run compared to some people, <laughs> Yog. but I, yeah, so I, I'm jogging, but as I get older, my knees are, are, you know, Jeremy and I've talked about this, how, how much your knees start to hurt over time. If you've just pounded pavement over and over a year after year, and the sports cream is amazing in, in terms yeah. of like taking the, I'll put it on before I go out to jog and, and, and don't really feel any pain throughout the jog. And I'm able to go the distance I'll, you know, shoot for and um, come home and, and, you know, lather back up after a shower. So it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, definitely. I would say this, I think the biggest, uh, um, you know, just, adding to you is I've actually gave my couple of friends, uh, you know, Max whale, he got on and started the sports cream. A couple of my buddies I let try and they've all liked it as well. But the, I think the biggest misconception is people expect, uh, something to change. Like when they take CBD or something, they're like expecting like a miracle, like I'm so much better. And it's like, it doesn't, from what my experience, it just doesn't work like that. Like it's not a, you, it's not a miracle drug. It's a, like you take it every day and then you just start to feel better. Like, and the way I would describe it in the best, the easiest layman terms is like the tin man. And like, it's like oil in the joints and everything. You go from <laughs> like being, that. you'd be going from being like rusty and can't really to, you feel just a little bit more oiled up a little bit easier to move and you just a little bit, but it takes, you know, for me, it takes a week to get moving, to start to, like, it's not a one day, two day. Oh yeah. I feel amazing. I get up. That's the biggest thing I hear is it doesn't work. I don't feel anything. Well, right. you're not supposed to like, you're not supposed to like feel like, Oh man, I'm on CBD. I agree with you. I think, I think that I, and we've talked about this before. It comes out of education. The biggest misconception is like if you go to the, your local quick trip and buy the CBD at the cash register and you take it that one day and then they're like, oh, it didn't work for me. Well, all right. Well, A, you don't know the quality of that stuff. B, yeah. to your point, it's seven to 10 days. I mean, and, and I love the way you say you don't actually, you just start feeling better. It doesn't automatically, the light switch doesn't just turn on for you, right? It's just, you wake up yeah. one morning and just, you start to feel different. And yeah, I think Jeremy's example of using the cream um, I think the cream probably is the product that impacts the quickest, but it, cause it's got, it's got the, the healing benefit to it. But I think the idea of using it and I use it, uh, before I run or walk, uh, on my ankles and knees and it, it helps with the recovery afterwards, even more so than using it after the, after the activity. Yeah, so, definitely. I hey, James, just... you, you, Oh, sorry, Tom. No, so I, I don't do any of the creams or anything. I take a gummy once a day, right? And, and interesting enough, I've found that now if I miss a day where I don't take it, I will actually kind of like, I feel a little off the next day and I kind of take inventory of like, you know, what, what did I do? Did I not sleep good? And then it'll hit me like, oh, I didn't take my gummy. And all of a sudden it's like, 
it's just that kind of you pick up on it right and you can't describe what the feeling is but you just feel you're a little bit off you know um so that's interesting go ahead jd no, I was just going to say, you mentioned cycling, James, and, and you made the reference to stay skinny, but like, tell us a little bit more about like how many miles are you putting in and what does that look like for you? Because it's, it's a pretty serious um, program that you're doing. Yeah. So in my peak days of cycling to be super skinny for road racing, when I had to be a certain weight, I mean, that year we, we clocked like 14,000 miles. Like it was a ridiculous amount. Now we don't do that anymore because all of our training, like we've all, we've elevated, everything's learned, right? We've elevated our programs. Um, you know, crazy enough is all three of my championships. I've won with the same trainer, which is crazy. Um, I've been friends with him for, uh, 10 plus years. Um, and we, uh, so now everything's a little bit more structured. So the mileage has come down the time, the workload has come down in the space of we're not sitting on a bicycle four hours a day you know unless we're like trying to do something but generally i'm riding a bicycle six days a week at some point whether it be an hour on zwift or two and a half hours like tonight we've got we do a ride a group ride um that's like 40 people it's super fast and it's gonna be two and a half hours so i ride six days a week we're doing gym three days a week which gets a little bit more intense and then i try to ride twice a week, either Tuesday, Thursday, like moto, um, or a, th- a Thursday on a weekend, something like that. I'm trying to ride twice a week to stay, keep those muscles going. And then in peak time, we'll be riding a, mo- a maximum of like three times. Cause we usually ride Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, whether that be, so it gets pretty intense during that. And then during the season, everything kind of t- tones down a little bit because you race so much, you do a little bit less practicing, um, and a little bit less, uh, intense training because you're driving to, you're flying, driving and stuff like that. So, um, the workload's there, you know, and as I get older, the more I, the more I'm doing the, like I used to just, you know, ride a bike and then now like then I just rode bicycles and then now I ride moto and bicycles and then now gym, it's like, now we're doing, we're doing a bicycle ride in the morning. We're doing some gym and a motoing. It's like, it's evolved into this crazy thing. And I think all sports, even you could see it in NASCAR, like, you know, most of those guys are starting to become pretty big athletes as well. You know, like I think, uh, it's changing the sport. I think everyone's realizing if you can have that little edge, everything's so close now and you get such little, little opportunities that you have to be as best as possible. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. No, what that... um, what is any idea? And I know we're kind of in the off season for for you. And um, are are you planning to continue to? Can you give us a peek under the hood of of what twenty twenty two is going to look like for you, or what can you say? Uh, I'm going to still race, <laughs> so I don't know. I think uh, the 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 plan right now is to uh, race some dirt track, uh, pending on if I can get a decent enough ride. Um, I want to get back into road racing. Uh, so I've got, uh, I'm going to be at Daytona racing. So that'll be cool. Don't quite know exact, don't know exactly how that's going to work out as far as, uh, you know, team and all that, but I am going to be doing that. Um, possibly racing a bagger 
at a couple races and then um, doing some super hooligan stuff. So I'm kind of going to go by the, the Ryan Sipes. He's a, he's a motocross guy that ha- does a bunch of different races and I'm going to kind of work my way into a couple different series and just dip my toe in a little bit more. And then uh, like we talked about earlier, I just, you know, I've had my real estate license for a couple of years, but now I'm kind of going to go heavy into it. So just so I don't have to be super reliant on, you know, I've raced for 25 years consecutively I've, you know, been under, you know, one team at every single year, essentially. And, you know, I just would like to see a little bit of a change, you know, like I, uh, I love racing for one manufacturer, getting paid to race and all that. But, you know, I just want to see if there's maybe something a little different that I can try different series, different bikes, different this. And like, I kind of want to ride more and I want to have a little bit more fun than just race one series, you know, like I, I kind of miss some opportunities because, I'm locked in on one deal versus another. I think that's super cool. You hear about a lot of uh, professional athletes, like what comes after their athletic career, you know, and what's, you know, what are they doing as they're finishing up careers? Not saying that's what's happening, but you're looking for the long, you know, big, bigger picture here. And uh, kudos to you for having a plan in place and, and being able to really take steps in a positive direction there. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, I mean, there was a time when I was, I, w- I remember in school, in high school, they used to ask, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to be a racer. I'm like, well, what's plan B? There is none. Like, like I'm going to die trying to make it, you know? And you, I mean, now I realize you never make it ever, but. Um, I think you made it, my friend. <laughs> but the cool thing is, for me is, is that it's like, I used to be under the full mindset of like, if I don't race, like, I don't really want to live. And now I'm like, well, I'm definitely at an age now where I understand there's so much cool stuff to do. Like my father is a super successful, uh, you know, my family, I should say, uh, is super successful in real estate right now and the market's super hot and I can do it. Like it's the way I describe it as like we've been selling like essentially sponsorship for, you know, to race motorcycles. Now I can sell a house that everyone needs. You know, it's like an easier sell, even though it's still hard, but it's like I can use those hyper competitive skills into a different asset. And then, you know, maybe I can then set up, you know, the, the long term goal is to then have a few properties to where I can have that supplemental income so I can continue to ride and race and not have to worry about, you know, the, the banging paycheck every every day of just the grind trying to make that money. And it's like because all the days we just want to be passionate, you know. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, oh. hey, go ahead, Tom. No, go ahead, JD. I was I was going to move to wrap it up. So one last thing, James. When you lift your arm up and see a tattoo, what's what's your tattoo of? <laughs> yeah, I got this a long time ago. It's ten plus years, but uh, let me see. So yeah, hard I've work, had a scar there. kind of a bit wonky now, but it says hard work, dedication. So. I've had that, yeah, I had that before my first uh, uh, championship, really. And, I mean, the days I get lazy, it's pretty hard to have this thing stamped on the side of my arm (laughs) to be a lazy guy. So it kind of forces me into something no matter how – you know what's crazy? It's not the best tattoo. Like, I could have done better, and it's a little bit wonky now because I've had a surgery here. But – there's not one person that's ever gone do your tattoo shit. Excuse my language, but like even like people are 
always like, that's really cool. Like, wow, I can't believe you would put that. And it's like, it kind of forces me not to be lazy. Right. Has 43 always been your number? No. So originally my father was 71 and I was 71 growing up. And then I swapped when, so Jason Pridmore was 43 and he, when he was done, he was my rider coach and we went and pretty much I moved to 43, but the way I got there was, uh, um, four plus three is seven and then four minus three is one. So it kind of worked together. And then I, all my championships has been one on 43. Like I tried two years coming back to 71 and had two horrendous years. So like whatever reason I grew up and won all my amateur stuff, but it's just a past number and I, I can't use it. Cool. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being along for the ride. We appreciate you being on the podcast and we appreciate uh, the support you've given Queen City Green. And we're excited to be along for the next journey of your uh, career and life. So thank you for everything. No, thank you guys. And hopefully, uh, yeah, more people get to try it and more people get to uh, experience, you know, the great products that you guys have and definitely try the gummies. Check uh, James on James is on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, James Rispoli, all one word on Instagram and at James Rispoli on Twitter. Anywhere else, James, that they can find your uh, find your stuff. on? Uh, and just, just, you know, TikTok. everything's at James Rispoli. Um, you can find me on all the social media platforms, uh, YouTube. We actually have a pretty cool doc on YouTube. That's it's quite long, but it's kind of the first doc that we've seen in, in dirt track. So, um, about how I came back from 19 and whatnot. So, but no, I appreciate you guys. And yeah. Where do they, fun. uh, where do they find your real estate career? Where if someone's looking to buy a buy or sell a house in your area, where do they find you? Yeah. So you find me, it's a real estate Rispoli, um, on Instagram and, uh, yeah, I'm in Southwest Florida and near Orlando. Hit me up. Uh, you can hit me up anywhere on any of my social media <laughs> platforms, or you can hit me up at rispoli 71 yahoocom If you want to buy a house, I'll get it sold, baby. Let's go. <laughs> we'll throw in CBD for the, for the buyer. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, if you're interested in trying out some CBD or just learning more about it, check out queencitygreen.com. Uh, we'll be back for another episode in a couple of weeks. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear it. Uh, so appreciate everyone listening, and we'll talk to you soon.